Hello boys and ghouls, Cat here. Welcome to episode 8 of our Behind the Screams series, where we explore the world of fear, shock, and horror by talking to tastemakers in the genre. Today on the show, director and producer Chelsea Stardust. Chelsea is smart, talented, and has had a horror education that most of us would kill for. Recently, she took on the challenge of directing for the stage, which we talk about in this interview. Slashed the Musical, a killer comedy musical love letter to the classic 80s summer camp slasher genre, premiered earlier this year at the Hollywood Fringe Festival to rave reviews, and I talked to Chelsea in depth about what it was like bringing it to life. Stay tuned at the end of this episode to hear a track from the show. And finally, a quick note. This interview has been banked for several weeks, so you'll hear Chelsea talk about two huge influences for her, George Romero and Toby Hooper, both of whom had not passed away at the time of this recording. Otherwise, we would certainly have talked about it. Okay, on with the show. I like sort of knew already, but I don't know you at all, which is really fun. Um, all right. So what scared you as a child and what was your first introduction to horror? Um, that's a great question. I think, well, my first introduction to horror was through um, my parents, I would say. Um, my dad well my parents celebrated Halloween like Halloween was a really big deal and both my parents are artists so they were really into Halloween so there's pictures of me as a one-year-old in a homemade skeleton costume (laughs) so and I grew up on a farm so they um not the uh working farm but it was a we had we raised sled dogs so it was a sled dog farm whoa where did you grow up Ohio so Midwest yeah so um every Halloween, my parents would throw a huge party. And it there'd be like the grown-up party in the house and then the kids' party in one of my parents' studios, because they had two studios where they worked. So uh, that was sort of the big thing. Like every year around August, I would pull out all the decorations and be like, okay, what are, what, what are we going to decorate? How are we going to style the so house? It was fun like, and magical yeah. and a family Completely thing. Completely magical. Uh-huh. And my, I think like the earliest things I saw Goosebumps was a big deal um scary stories to tell in the dark uh and then um the cartoons the Halloween cartoons so uh Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown and so my tradition was on Halloween and my dad grew pumpkins so we would carve oh pumpkins my god the night before I'd come home from school that's ridiculous on a Friday we'd sit in the living room and cover the entire living room floor in newspapers, and then we'd carve pumpkins. It must have smelled gloriously yeah. Oh, yeah. pumpkin gutty. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And we'd watch um, 
I'm from the Cleveland area, so we'd watch Big Chuck and Little John, which was the equivalent of, like, Goulardi or Son of Ghoul. <gasps> See, I or never Elvira. grew up seeing horror hosts. I've had to learn yeah. about it and piece together information on my own. We had so a local I'm so jealous. Yeah. yeah, a lot of places did. And I know, yeah. I know I probably did, too, but it just didn't enter my realm of, yeah. Ugh, that's so cool. And so they, and they did everything. They didn't just do horror, but in, in October, they would show uh, scary movies. So... My dad and I would sit on the floor, watch Big Chuck and Little John, and carve pumpkins for the party the next day. Um, and it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I loved so much that on Halloween night, um, I would write a letter to the great pumpkin in, during the day. And then at night, um, my parents would say, oh, the great pumpkin's been here. Oh. And there would be a path of jack-o'-lanterns all the way to no. the pumpkin patch that my dad had grown. And there would be, like, candy and presents and all that I stuff. I am yeah. legitimately <laughs> feeling very emotional here. That is, your parents sound amazing. Yeah. <gasps> That's so, so magical. And it also kind of explains one of the other films yes. of yours that I watched. Yes. So, <laughs> that, so, big deal to me. So, yeah. Halloween was a big deal. And as I got older, my dad started showing me um, the Universal Monster movies. That was the first thing that I saw. Smart in for yeah. kids. Yeah. And Dracula is my favorite. And uh, Bride of Frankenstein, Wolfman, and Creature... Um, uh, and Frankenstein, but that was my sort of segue into that. And we would watch those movies every Halloween. So I've seen those movies over so many over times, more times than I can even count. But um, then when I was 10, my dad showed me Night of the Living Dead, mm. the George Romero, the original one. Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, just watch the first like 20 minutes. And if you're too scared, we'll turn it off. So within the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it doesn't mess the beginning around. Is really, it's yeah. still scary. And I was like, I want to turn it off. Uh, I think we should turn it off. He's like, you're fine. Don't worry. You're fine. I was like, no, I'm kind of I'm kind of scared. He's like, you're going to be fine. And uh, I ended up, I was able to watch the whole thing, and I was obsessed yeah. with it. Yeah. And even though I was scared, I wasn't, as far as I can remember, I never really had nightmares. So... I could watch and read Goosebumps and read scary stories and watch scary movies, and I never really had nightmares like a lot of people do. So started out with that, and then um, from there I would go to the library and rent stuff. And then in high school I took a film class, like a continuing education film class in Cleveland um, with a local experimental filmmaker, Robert Banks. So you were just the coolest kid who, like, <laughs> knew. I don't know about that. You were, you were like, well. I was a in, nerd. Was in a retrospect, nerd. though. Because if I think about myself having had the, like, forth, foresight and, like, sense of self to go, like, I'm going to take a class outside of school <laughs> that's about something I really care about. Like, please, I was not, like, that's the coolest thing. That's it was, amazing. It was great. It was, and I knew, like, pretty much... My, and my parents were really into film, and I think that's what made me realize, like, I want to be a director. Like, I knew really early that that's what I wanted to do. And I made short films in high school, and then I went to this continuing education class, and the teacher, he was really big into horror films. And so he's like, what have you seen? And I told him, he's like, ugh, that's nothing. And he's, <laughs> oh, he no. comes in and hands me a stack of dubbed VHS tapes, like, stuff he's recorded. Um... And it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the uh, the original one, the original Hills Have Eyes, Martin, and God Told Me To. So Larry Cohen's Martin. And I was like, oh, okay. And we also, we had to shoot, you know, I shot a horror film on 60 million, or Super 8 film. It was all, you know, ex weird experimental stuff. And then I was like, this is what I want to do. 
and then I would watch as many horror movies as I could, and I'd have to listen to them with the volume really low, because I'd go to the local video store and look at every single VHS box cover. Um, That's an horror, experience so yeah. many of us in a certain age range yeah. share. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, like, I'm sure you saw this, as I did, I think, this morning. Ryan, Ryan Turk, Turk yeah. what he's doing, this, like... Whatever, sl- sl- I can't remember yeah. the name of it. Slashback. Slashback. So they're doing an exhibit that's like walking into a classic like video store, but it's just going to be horror. Yeah. VHS. Ugh. And he told me about I that and wait. I was losing my mind. I was like, what? That's, that's the genius. best idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because so many people didn't get that experience. Yeah. And I like remember going into that video store and renting these videos. I think I was like 16 and they still let me rent them. I wasn't quite 17 because they were all rated R. Sure. Um, but being obsessed with the boxes and the art, and that's exactly what he's paying homage to. And so um, I remember so many movies, like, so scared to watch them just because yeah. of the covers. Yes. So Basket Case was one that took me oh, yeah. years to watch because the cover was so fucking disturbing. Oh, there, there's yeah. so many. I didn't watch Chucky for a really long time. Like, <laughs> I didn't see a Chucky movie until I was a freshman in college because I was so scared of... The cover and what I had heard about it. I'm like, no, you can't do it. Yeah. I can't. Or, yeah. yeah, and the one where he has the shears. I think it's Child's Play 3 where I he's cutting the, uh, the jack-in-the-box. Um, it's either 2 or 3. But, uh, yeah, so that's – so horror has been my thing. And in terms of what scares me – yeah, what scares you now? Because it sounds like you're, you're a pretty tough kid. Yeah, I You had, like, a moment with Night of the Living Dead, and you were like, I don't know if I can... Oh, I'm cool. Yeah, like, I'm good. But do you... Like, does anything really freak you out now? I think the... I mean, the idea of Freddy Krueger, like, someone in your dreams chasing after you is scary, but as someone who doesn't have nightmares, I, I'm not as scared of that. But my... I think... Well, I love man versus nature, man versus wild movies, because I'm terrified of snakes, alligators, crocodiles, and sharks. Those are my, like, really yeah. scared, like, ugh, God, what was even... that, to- what was it? There's a Toby Hooper movie I watched. Oh, oh Eaten Alive? Yes. Mm-hmm. I just watched that a few months ago, and it was so much fun yeah. and so ridiculous. That, that's what that made me think of. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's... Man versus Nature. So that, that scared, but I'm obsessed with, like, I love Anaconda. And <laughs> yeah. I, like, I love watching those movies, like Placid, um, obviously Jaws. Uh, and I will see any movie that has that. Like, I saw 47 Meters Down. I saw The Shallows. I will see any creature, that yes. kind of creature feature um, that I can get my hands on. But I also grew up with a lake. Mm-hmm. And I we swim in the lake all the time. But I refuse to wear any sort of goggles because I don't want to see. Oh, jeez. I'm like, for some reason, I think there's like a piranha, like totally illogical fears. Or an alligator in the lake or snapping turtles or something. And I won't wear goggles. I don't want to see what's underneath there. I just want to be. What if you feel because having grown up swimming in lakes as well, um, if there's like a little oh, yeah. nip at your feet, like what do you do then? Are you fine out. as long as you don't? See, yeah. I usually I have a raft. Uh-huh. I like sit on a raft and uh, I'll a creep show too. Um, yeah, I'm, I was gonna say. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're a horror buff, sitting on a raft isn't yeah. really gonna make you feel too much better. <laughs> yeah, but we have bluegills, and bluegills will bite you. So ah. if they see a mole, or like I have a necklace on, they'll they'll nip at you. And or sometimes oh if you're God. on the raft, they'll like bump it to see what it is, and it's the most terrifying Ow. thing. But then I'm like, it's just a fish. It's just a fish. It's fine. Are you a true so. crime person at all? Like a lot of women are. Um. I think the furthest I, well, yes, I would say yes, but 
serial killers are sort of more my, which is falls into that yes it category does. too but, i yeah. i wonder what you think about um are you a my favorite murder are you murderino do you listen to them uh, at all know, I, get, I gave it a try and i struggled with it i did bit. the same thing and then i came back to it but yeah. you don't have to the point the point i'm getting to is they, they've talked a lot about like why they're obsessed and why women yeah. in particular and i like the theory i think it's interesting because i absorb everything true crime and serial killers constantly reading books yeah. and watching documentaries about them um but they have this idea, and I've heard it elsewhere, that women are just, because we are statistically far more likely to be victims of ah. violent crime, that we are processing, it's just a way to process our fear, yeah. whatever form that takes. So when I when I think about the women I know who are into horror, I think sometimes, like, that's what we're doing, whether yeah. it's creatures or true crime or whatever, that, like, we have this need because we live with we just live with that reality, yeah. and maybe we're not walking around like with keys between our fingers all the time, like mace ready to. But we, it's a reality, yeah. and we all deal with it. And so, like, I, 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 I don't know. I think that's interesting. Yeah, and and that sort of ties into the horror movies that scare me the most. Like, I'm not freaked out by possession movies or um, ghost stories. What like things like The Strangers scare me. Home yeah. invasion stuff scares me. When I feel like that's something that could actually happen. Um, that's what disturbs me the most. Like, mm-hmm. I can handle pretty much anything. And The Strangers, the first time I saw it, I was so scared. Oh, I lost my mind. But I loved it yeah. and wanted to see it again. Yeah. Um, but that's probably the one that, that what's your favorite? What's your favorite horror movie, if you can say? I know that's hard. Um, that's a mean question. That's tough. Um, I would say, well, it, it, every, I have favorites in every subgenre. Right. But Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably... Probably my number one, but I also love Candyman. Mm-hmm. I think that's a super underrated yeah. horror movie. That such an still, urban legend. Yeah. like it's got so much like race and yeah. voodoo. Like it's this weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember seeing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I didn't see it until I was probably in my twenties, and I. I, I had always assumed it was so rip like just guts everywhere bloody and then when I realized it was such like I did not realize what a beautiful film it is yeah. like the shots are breathtaking yeah it's just such a great movie yeah it's Ugh. it's amazing I love it and I love Hitchcock I have a Hitchcock tattoo so I love his uh his work too but Night of the Living Dead um Bela Lugosi's Dracula uh, there's the list is huge. <laughs> what do you think is the scariest movie of all time for you? What's what's the scariest? What has maybe not maybe it doesn't scare you now, but like what maybe had the mo- the craziest impact on you? I mean, I was pretty well in terms of like impact. Carrie had a really big impact on me because I had read the book and saw the movie in high school, and that even though I didn't necessarily find it scary, it resonated a lot with me um, as someone who was like picked on in high school and all that stuff I was like if only I had Carrie's powers like right <laughs> um in terms of like what really sc- I mean Night of the Living Dead I can't watch by myself <laughs> um The Strangers I can't watch by myself and those are that's just one that always like stuck in my mind um and when I first saw it I was like pretty I was pretty freaked out um the moment of that movie that scared me more than anything. I rem- I will never forget seeing this moment. It's and I've only seen the movie once because honestly I'm afraid to watch it again. Mm-hmm. It scared me so badly. But um when when Liv Tyler Liv T- it's Liv Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. I was I when it came out of my mouth I was like is that right? Yeah. <laughs> um she it's like she's plugged her cell phone in and she walks away and she comes back to get it and it's not there and uh, <laughs> yeah. like I can't it's so it's so fucked so, up. So good. 
It's so good. We already talked about your favorite subgenre, favorite sequel. Oh, favorite sequel. Oh, I was just talking to somebody about this. Um, what did I, I can't remember what I said now. Uh, favorite sequel. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, I love Dream Warriors. Huh. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, I think, is amazing. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to somebody about this, and I had said something else, and I can't remember. I'll have to think, I'll have to think of it. Sure, and sure, all of a sudden, sure. I'll be like, it's this! And so, and I love the slasher genre, obviously. It's yeah. Like one of my favorites. Yes. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> um, favorite franchise? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So I love, uh, I almost said Back to the Future, and I'm like, no, wait, we're talking about horror <laughs> movies. Um, uh, I love Final Destination. Yeah. Fucking love that series sure. so much. Do, um, do you know that I just heard, I keep interrupting you, but no, I was okay. just listening to um, the, oh God, and now I can't remember his name and it's terrible, but the the writer of that movie, do you know that he, I was listening to him, he was on Shockwaves. Jeffrey Reddick? Yes. Yeah. And he, I did not realize that that story was initially a spec script he wrote to submit for the X-Files. For X-Files, yeah. Come on, that's an X-Files episode. So it's incredible. Cool. Go um, on. I think, yeah, I think that franchise is amazing. Um, and... I, but I also love, um, I mean, Halloween is in my top five, too. But I think, because I've mi- recently marathoned Halloween, the Halloween series, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th. And it's tricky because there's some really good ones and some not so good ones. <laughs> yeah. But there's something I love about marathoning all those movies. And I love Michael Myers. I think he's probably my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. Me too, girl. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, he's my uh, favorite in terms of those kind of villains. Um, and Halloween 3, even though it's not part of the Halloween uh, canon, like, officially, because I was no Michael Myers, but that's one of my favorite, quote-unquote, sequels, and horror movies in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Final Destination, and they're different Freddy, Jason, Michaels that I, that I like. But then you get into ones like, I think it's Halloween Resurrection. Yeah. Where I think it's like the sort of reality TV shows. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. I can't. It's, but, you know, I, I see what you're saying where you there are franchises where they they dip into territory where you're like, oh, what a joke. This isn't my Michael Myers. But then, you know, you get – and everyone has a strong opinion. I know there are people out there who really hate H2O, and it is one of my very H2O. favorite <laughs> movies of all time. And I think it's fantastic and fight me on it. Yeah. Um, yeah but, uh, but, you know, but then it's like – but if they hadn't – like there are some of the Friday – the 13 sequels I don't love, but then it's like, but without them, we wouldn't, couldn't have gotten to six. And I love six. You know, it's like, so you take the good and you take the bad and you, um, I'm going to sing the facts of life theme song. (laughs) Um, do you have a favorite director? Um, Hitchcock. I love Hitchcock and I love John Carpenter in terms of entire body of work. Um, but yeah, I feel like I also love Toby Hooper's work. Um, but I recently did a Dario Argento marathon because I, I need to do that. That's I mean, a blind spot for me. Me too. Italian horror, I am just totally not versed in. So, and I'm a total weirdo who needs to see from the beginning. Yeah, like I have to see it yeah, in chronological order because I want to <laughs> see how they how they grew as a director. And I loved everything I saw of his up until the '90s hit, oh, <laughs> 1990, boy. and just oh. like crash and burn. So. Right. But 
at the same time, it was so cool to see um, that he had he has a lot of uh, female killers in his movies, which I thought was really interesting. And the only one I had ever seen is Suspiria until I did this marathon. But I'm about to jump into Mario Bava and Lucio Fulci because I'm really just that I sounds mean, really really satisfying yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that kind of journey where like I've my, my best friend and I are are we've started a Hitchcock club because we haven't That's seen a ton great. of his. What's your favorite? I, hold on. Okay, all right. <laughs> I haven't. I, I sadly, woefully, haven't seen. Really, and I mean, I saw the birds when I was like thirteen. I've seen Psycho one hundred and fifty-seven times, um, uh, and it keeps getting funnier. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, and I've seen, and we watched Rear Window, which oh, I had yeah. not seen. And um, then we got together and watched something called Suspicion. Uh-huh. I think Suspicion. Yeah, yeah. So that was from the forties. Yeah. And like, so we've we're sort of jumping around, and I have half a mind to say to him like. Can we just like start at the beginning? You should do it, and then like, and right, because like, if we're gonna do it, let's do it right. You know, I would definitely recommend. I mean, he has a an an insanely huge body of work. So, um, but it's I think it's important to see his sort of evolution. My favorite Hitchcock is Rebecca. So Rebecca about that one, Shadow of a Doubt, Rear Window, um, and those. I mean, those are my top three probably, but. I, I, I like the birds. I love Psycho. Uh, Strangers on a Train is amazing. Man Who Knew Too Much, both both the British version and the American version he did. Um, but it's sort of the, like, Iron Curtain, like yeah. that, that, that movie and those sort of Notorious and Suspicion and those spy movies I, I totally love, too. Fun. Do you have a favorite bad guy? Favorite? Well, I was, Michael Myers I love, but um, he's probably – I'm trying to think. I saw a movie recently – recently where it was just fucking oh I mean it's not necessarily a favorite but um Last House on the Left in terms of like nasty yeah killers and even um House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects like that clan of people um Bill Mosley's performance still like yeah. blows my mind yeah and what movies. a nice for, I mean I've, I haven't met him I know a lot of people have at conventions and stuff but um, nice guy. everything I've Super heard nice. of him on podcasts and things, my yeah. God, what a, like, what a, what a, he's like handsome and oh, yeah. really, really sweet. He's and, a babe. And I'm yeah. just like, wait a minute, how does one person get off? And he's so like thankful for his whole journey and like oh, yeah. where his career has gone. And I'm just like, oh, oh, okay, I get it. So you're a perfect human being. I guess that's, I guess that's the deal. And you thanks, see him, Bill. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. You see him in stuff like, uh, well, having seen House of Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and then you see... Chop Top, like in <laughs> Texas Chainsaw 2. And you're like, what? Yeah. Oh, how is this the same person? I, um, I also think Pinhead is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, I'm talking like the first three Hellraisers. Um, I haven't seen the later ones. I've seen the first three. No? Yeah. Okay. You know, you're good. You're good with the first three. But I love part two. I, I, I do too. I, the first time I watched it, which was maybe five years ago, I was like, what's happening? This movie yeah. is amazing. They just upped the ante and yeah. went nuts. Not that the first movie was tame, but, you know. But it's, I, I think Clive Barker is really, inc- like, his stories are so incredible. And I love how he puts together, um, how he portrays sex and violence and lust. And I, I love his work. Nightbreed is another great one um, uh, of, his, of his. But I think, like, that's. 
Cronenberg. I love Cronenberg. I love David Lynch, too. So. I've never seen, again, Cronenberg's kind of a blind spot. I've seen uh, The Fly a million times. Oh, the Fly is, like, his best, maybe. Uh, it's so great. <laughs> but I've never seen Scanners, and it's playing oh, at the yeah. New Bev at midnight, midnight like, yeah. on the 22nd, and I'm, I'm going to go. You should see it. Um, yeah. I love Crash is one of my favorite of his, and The Fly, um, and The Brood. And I love his sort of newer stuff, History of Violence, Eastern Promises, like, his his body of work. Videodrome yeah. is fucking amazing. Right. Um, I want to see Debbie Harry do more acting. But <laughs> yeah, she's great. Um, so, is there a kill in a horror movie that's the hardest for you to watch? Uh, you know, I I'm, I feel pretty desensitized at this, really? <laughs> at this point with stuff. I've seen a lot. So, um, I think it's less... The violence. I mean, there's stuff in like Hostel that makes me cringe a little bit. Um, that's kind of like, and when you know the leg shaving scene in Cabin Fever, mm-hmm. I'm like, Ooh. I hear a lot of people reference the uh, needle pit in what is it Saw Two? Oh, Saw Two, yeah, that didn't that didn't bother me too oh. much. Um, I I didn't have a uh, for me. It's uh, speaking of Dream Warriors. It's the the marionette thing off of. Oh the yeah, yeah. So I good. Can't, I have to cover my eyes. So good. I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. I I've not, I am not desensitized to that moment. Yeah. I think I'm more. I think now what affects me more is I'm affected more by rape scenes in cinema now than I am by like just sheer right. bloody violence and gore. Um, and it's interesting how that never used to bother me, and now it does. Yeah. Just when you're younger and you don't quit, you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, I see what's you're going like, on. You're like, whoa, that guy's arms got ripped off. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And, and, but the crazy. emotional journey of like, and the life-shattering thing that is like a horrific rape isn't yeah. something you can even comprehend yeah. and, at and, a young age. And I like Gaspar Noe's movies, and a lot of people talk about Irreversible, and I was like, oh, that didn't really... That's I. It didn't bother me as much as like now. If I watch it, it's it's a different situation. Um, I just watched uh, Nicholas Rogue's Bad Timing, which oh, I've yeah, never yeah. seen. And speaking of rape and the, the what, like kind of the climax of that movie. I, I don't know, if, but yeah. it was the it was the kind of thing where I was like, well, this is not uh, you know a horror movie for, by any stretch, really, but has stuck with me and was so disturbing for me in the yeah. way that like a lot of like splatter movies just don't do yeah. anymore like I enjoy them but you know yeah you, you if you, sometimes you, you hit those cinematic deep cuts that are like not horror and those are the ones as you age and like you know start and you learn yeah. more and you live more you you go like whoa now that's what really fucks me up now yeah and if it's something like I I can't handle it's like you know I can see that <laughs> sounds horrible but I can see you know Kids get killed in horror movies, but yeah. I can't handle animals getting oh, killed. Oh, God. I was like, nope. Like, Cannibal no. Holocaust. I'm like, I don't want to see that turtle get killed. No, no I fast forwarded <laughs> to those parts. I watched Cannibal Holocaust a couple months ago, and I knew there was going to be animal stuff. And any time an animal yeah. showed up on screen, I was like, not going to do it. Sorry. Yeah. I still think it counts. I've watched the movie. <laughs> I will watch humans strung up on poles, yeah. but I will not watch you kill a turtle. Not mm-hmm. going to do it. Just not going to do it. Yep. Yeah. I, I have more problems with that, I think. And in terms of, like, yeah, I think, and I am someone who did, I did makeup effects in college and in high school for, like, the high school plays, and I continued to do them for, you know, my own, like, photo shoots or things, and um, so I always think about it as a technical thing. It's like, how, like, I remember seeing Straw Dogs, and my dad explaining to me that Sam Peckinpah, like, sort of paved the way for that kind of blood for squibs and things like that, and so I always looked at 
gore from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I never was really grossed out by it. You're like, oh, how did they do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in terms of recent stuff, I think Green Room had some great gore in it. Um, when Anton Yelchin gets his hand, yeah. you know, maimed, I, I was like, oh my god, that's so good. Like they did such a great job with right. that. Um, so I, I just look at it as, and I'm, and I love gore in in horror. So, um, and really, that's maybe probably one of the reasons I like. Um, there's things about Saw I like, and there's things about. Final Destination, because the, the kills in that yeah. are so amazing and so creative <laughs> yeah. that I think that's one of the weird reasons I connect with it, too. Um, and talking about gore, like, makes me think of scares, like, great scares in horror movies, which Candyman has, like, a ton. Yeah. That, you know, and he comes out of the, the mirror, and at the end there's the great scare, and um, the Babadook had some had some good ones, I think. Yeah. And Insidious, of course. Yeah. talks about. Oh, the, yeah. The demon. I was watching Insidious in, in with all the lights on folding laundry the first time I saw it. And <laughs> I screamed out loud. Yeah. During that. Ah! Like, yeah. just. Um, all right. Last little question. Then I want to get into th- some slash. Yes. Um, which is, if you could live any, in. I'm going to try that again. <laughs> if you could live in any town in any horror movie which town would you want to live in um great question uh it'd be a cross between Haddonfield mm-hmm. and because you know fall yeah all the time um and I that and I love trick-or-treat so the town well I love the quote-unquote heavy metal trick-or-treat, but I also love the the Mike Doherty tri- yes, trick-or-treat. I love and trick-or-treat. And that's, you know, takes place in Ohio, like, Ugh. in Ohio. And then also Devil's Kettle from Jennifer's Body. Mm-hmm. Jennifer's Body is one of my favorite yeah. horror movies. Do you ever go walk around South Pasadena just to yes. feel like you're in? Yeah. When my parents were, my parents were just in town for Slashed, and I took them to the Michael Myers house. Yeah. And, because I said, you guys have to see this. Yeah. And I know, like, the streets and stuff, and, um, and I, and the other houses are right down the street from the Nightmare on Elm Street house. Yes. Oh, yeah, fast. it's a perfect way to spend an afternoon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk to you about uh, Slash the Musical. How did you come to direct this? For So for anyone who's listening who doesn't already know, if you if you don't live in the L.A. area and you didn't see it on social media, which I don't know how you didn't because everyone, <laughs> everyone here was just blasting it like crazy, including myself, um, uh, Slash w- was a part of the uh, Hollywood Fringe Festival. The L.A. Yes. Hollywood Fringe Hollywood Festival. Hollywood Fringe, yeah. Who am I? Brain. <laughs> work. Um, yeah, so d- let's talk, talk about that. Yeah, so my... Boyfriend is the screenwriter, and he um, had talked about doing a, he wanted to do a slasher musical. And he had sort of mentioned it once or twice. And then we went to see this is what is this, 2017? 2016's Hollywood Fringe Festival. And my friend, Kat Primo, she had a, uh, she has a comedy troupe, robot teammate, who put on a show there. Um, and it was called Thug Tunnel. And I took Sean to see it. And he was like, I need to write my musical. That inspired him to do it. So that would have been June of last year. So then a couple months go by, he started talking about it. And then I think it was November, uh, Clark, he, and Sean did an outline for me. And he's like, hey, this is, let's talk about the musical. Like, this is what I think I want it to be. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. You know, we'll see if we get time to do it. And we had a bunch of other stuff going on. I said, this is good to have know fun to think about doing a slash musical and Clark had reached out to me separately and was like hey I've been thinking about Hollywood Fringe Fest would you want to like talk about maybe 
like, would you like to direct something for it? I'm thinking about producing something. I was like, uh, funny you should say that. <laughs> um, the stars, isn't it funny how the stars align yeah. sometimes? And, and she knew, she knows Sean Keller, my, my boyfriend as well. And I said, Sean has, uh, an outline that I want to give you. It's a slasher musical. And she's like, what the shit? Are you serious? I and said, Clark's yeah. the singer already. Yes. So she's like, wait a minute. Yes. Dreams so we, come true. Yeah. So we give her, give her the outline. And then all of a sudden it's like all systems go. And then that means that Sean has to write it. And he's also a musician. So he not only wrote the book, he wrote the lyrics, he wrote the music, he played all the instruments himself. Um, his son did all the sound mixing, and who's also the monster in Marco Polo. That's his son. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't think I'd recognize him anywhere else. No, I don't think <laughs> With so. all of that terrifying <laughs> makeup on. That's really fun. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I think, like, right around the new year, Sean was like, I don't know if I, this is a lot of work and a lot of pressure. I'm like, you're going to fucking write that musical. That's right. We've committed. No time like the present. He's like, okay, got it. And then he had it written by the end of January. And we started casting and, you know, you have to reserve a theater and all that, all that jazz. So that how it, it all kind of the stars just aligned for it. Yeah. Well, okay. So, but I, and, and I mentioned to you when we first started talking that I watched your short films, which are all so incredible. And I encourage, and I will plug it again at the end of this podcast, but you know, just Google Chelsea Stardust and get, get to her Vimeo page and watch her short films. They're so competent and I don't mean that in an insulting way I mean that in like I don't mean like I can't believe how competent I just mean like it's um you know as a horror fan you watch a lot of shit yeah um whether it's watch my friend's short film or you watch a feature that you're like oh I'll never get that an hour and a half back right but it's because you're looking for great stuff and so when you it, it, it's just so often so rare to see something that is so it just top to bottom like it looks so great the performances are great there's solid, it's solidly paced. Like, I'm just obsessed. Like, I'm so <laughs> impressed by you. And I Thank love you. badass women doing, like, really cool shit. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> so go watch her short films. But um, what I'm, I guess, directing for the stage is different. Had oh, yeah. you done that before? Was that, like, a new, was that a thing where you were like, well, going to try this thing now. Let's see if I can do it. Yeah, it's very different. Um, because I approach directing I mean I, I was like I'll approach it directing theater just how I direct film but it's so different and the, my experience in terms of theater I did theater in high school and I did theater in a little bit of college and I took acting courses in college I was in the film school but I wanted to learn how to work with actors how to communicate with actors so um but I was sort of like oh fuck it why not like I'm <laughs> I'm not someone who's like oh why would you do that it's why not why shouldn't we do this we should do everything we want to do there so, are no rules yeah yeah and I, I also didn't, Clark had brought this up where she said, you know, you stepped in to direct this and because you get nervous about, you know, being a woman, there aren't as many, there's more male directors it's a in boy, theater. It's, it's a boys club yeah. in the entertainment industry, period. Yeah, so yeah. films, theater, horror especially. So yeah, yeah you, you're, you're approaching a lot of hurdles there. Right. And so... But it's something that never crossed my mind. I actually never thought about that being an issue. I love like, that. It, I just never thought about it. And and I'm, of course, someone who's, like, advocating women. And I think women tell some of the best horror um, – or direct some of the best horror movies, um, especially stuff that's adapted by men, like um, adapt, adapting stories written by men, um, like American Psycho, yeah. written by a man, Brady Snells, and then – 
directed and written and adapted for the screen by a woman, uh, women, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of female directors. I, I keep a list because I have people ask me all the time who are the best female directors in for horror in that genre, and I just send them the list. It's like, all these women are amazing. All their films are incredible. See them. I Okay, now I want the list. <laughs> were we talking Karen Kusama for yep. sure? Karen Kusama, um, Mary Heron, obviously Mary Lambert, um, the women, Roxanne Benjamin, the XX directors, uh-huh. um, uh, Jennifer Kent, who yeah. did... Bobby Dick, yeah. Um, uh, the woman who did Raw, the oh yeah, I I interviewed her and she was Julia, such a delight. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Soskas. Yeah. Uh, there's a ton, and like not, not there's not a ton, but there's a bunch that just not everyone is paying attention to them. Like isn't really giving them uh, the fair shake. And there's the Etheria Film Festival that happens every year. Like those directors are incredible. Um, and so I'm always trying to just keep pushing and even people that are in like the same place that I am and trying to get their careers going to like Axel Carolyn and Amalia and um those and Axel did Tales of Halloween and so just really trying to push it like we're yeah. so we're so close to just breaking through and obviously like even though it wasn't horror Wonder Woman is yeah. a huge deal yeah. because yeah. like having Patty Jenkins who did Monster which I love um but having someone who is able to who's given that much money to make that kind of movie yeah. is a huge deal. And I remember yeah. seeing it and fucking sobbing like a child because I was so oh. excited. I, I, I <laughs> cried through, I cried through battle scenes in oh, that yeah. movie. Like I, I was, yeah. and by the way, like I wasn't even like my body was just expelling fluid yeah. and I was like, what, why? Like, like because it, because you don't realize what you're missing until you see it. Yeah. And then it's there and you're just like, Oh God. And I'm just a puddle of tears yeah. the whole time. So I'm always trying to like push that, you know, forward. And, and there's people like Emily Higgins, who I think is like 26 years old and has directed five movies already or something crazy. Did her first movie when she was 14. So, and I think it's so important that we all are supporting each other and pushing each other and um, that we're sl- it's starting to happen where everyone's getting, starting to get more work and starting to get recognition. Um, and my list goes on and on. I'll send it to you. I'll send Please you my do. list. <laughs> so, um, so. Oh, slash, so, but back to Yeah, that. so what were your, what did you find? Like, you oh, were yeah. like, so you were like, fuck it, I'm just going to jump in. And jump then in. what were the challenges that you came up upon that you were maybe not expecting? Yeah. So with film, I think there's a certain, you have a larger level of control. Yeah. <laughs> it's like control, full yeah. on control as a director because, oh, if a line gets fucked up, if this gets fucked up, if that gets fucked up, you can do another take. All right, let's do it again. So theater, it's really different. I had to learn to sort of let, and I'm a super type A controlling person, so I had to sort of let go of that because at the end of the day, it's like you're, it's basically like you're shooting a giant wonder with pyrotechnics and stunts and all that's this stuff, right. and you have one chance to that's get it. Right. And that's what's so exciting, but yeah. it's also terrifying. And yeah. having done theater, I, there's a certain kind of thrill that comes from that live experience that you don't necessarily always get in film. But in film, you do capture those amazing moments, and you know the minute you have that. But theater, <laughs> it was, I was like, if a line gets fucked up, or say the sound messes up, or lights, and you know, we luckily didn't have that stuff happen, but... I was like, fuck, there's not, there, I can't do anything. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's just, it's there and it happens and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You just have to trust your, your actors. And, um, we had an amazing, uh, lighting technician and sound technician. He was incredible. 
and you just have to trust them to, yeah. to, to do it. And the beautiful thing about theater is, too, and I think, well, you know this from being on stage. I've done, I've been on stage a lot, too. You, you also have to put your trust in the audience, and I think what a great yeah. place, and that's what's so beautiful. There's a dialogue between what's going on on stage and the audience, and that's why every show is different. But especially when you have a, crew, a crowd like the Hollywood Fringe Festival, these are people who care about theater, who yeah. want to see something that's like new and different, and they are totally forgiving because they know you're working with um, a space that you can't really do too much to, and you're yeah. like, you're like fucking nomadic gypsies coming in and like you know doing your thing and you're doing your very best and these people are watching it wanting you to like kill it and do a great job so I think that's nice at least you know that no one's expecting perfection yeah and that's the thing because with fringe it's like you have 15 minutes to load in your sets and 15 minutes to take them out and so you the minute you get in there it's a scramble and your actors want to warm up and if you have any uh fight choreography you want to do that just to run through it real quick because there could have been two you know a week and a half could have gone by since the last time you were in the theater so but yeah I think our audience was our audiences were amazing and I think I I tried to bring everything that Sean had written to the stage because he wrote like a decapitated head I was like how the fuck are we gonna do that (laughs) and like body parts flying and this and that I got hit with a hand in the knee and it was the best part of the show I was like yes I got hit by a flying limb that's my favorite gag is like behind the tent when all the body parts fly we should say by the way if if I haven't said out loud that Slashed is a is a a send up a loving kind of take take on the 80s slasher genre in musical form if I if if you weren't if, aware, and you're, like, you've been listening going, what the fuck is Slashed? Yeah. Yeah. Friday the 13th, and Wet Hot American Summer has a love child, <laughs> and that is Slashed. Yes. So, <clears throat> um, but it, working within those restrictions, it kind of, to me, felt like how you make a low-budget movie work. Because having come from Blumhouse, I was like, okay, like, how do you make a movie work within this teeny tiny budget? Same thing. How do you make this theater piece work in this teeny tiny budget? I <clears throat> wrote that in my review of of your show, by the way. Oh, yeah! I did. <laughs> I, well, I, I wasn't going to assume you'd read it, but I just love no, it to hear but, you yeah. say that because I... Th- I'm pretty sure what I said was something about it being, feeling like you're on the set of like an yes, 80s yes. slasher movie because you know those people were like piecing it together with like string and like, you know, yeah. just whatever they could. Yeah. And that's what was so great. Like, I love to hear you describe it that way because that's yeah. how it feels watching it. Not in the sense that it's like cheap, in the sense that it's like these are people coming together to like make a thing and it's fun and it felt like... Even though it, I think I saw it in May, it was like, yeah. uh, is that when I saw it? June, I was like, June. June. But it was like, you know, it's cold Nelly and June still kind of. <laughs> but, you know, I was just like, it's summer now because yeah. I'm watching like a horror movie on stage. Yeah. It was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, we were very proud of it. And I have incredible actors and they, you know, really made it work. But it was, it was tough. And also is because I live with the writer too, with my boyfriend and it was slashed 24-7. So we had to set rules. Like, we don't talk about slashed in bed. We don't talk about yeah. slashed slash when we're going on a hike. We, like, I had to take slashed timeouts yes. sometimes. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's also, I, what made me really happy is not only was I pleased with the show, but to see how happy, and Sean is in the show, too. He, he plays Yeah, TV. yeah. And he was see, great. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. But who has Broadway training and all that stuff. Like, he, he's done Broadway before. So... But to see how happy the show made him, too, was, like, very rewarding because I feel like writers get fucked over so much in the industry. And I'm someone who wants the writer to be happy, even though at the end of the day it's all, like, the director's decisions and they can change whatever the fuck they want. 
but to see the writer pleased and happy with everything like meant a lot to me. So, and that and my actors, I think, had a great time. Too. Do you, speaking of your actors, um, I, I was thinking this while I was watching it because I feel like everyone had it kind of, and the, I'm sure this is totally owing to your direction as well, but everyone kind of pitch perfect had the like stereotypes of <laughs> these characters. You know, for someone who's watched a lot of 80s slashers, you're watching, and you could, by the way, in a vacuum, also totally enjoy the show, but for, for most of us in the audience, we, we all. Uh, are totally well versed in the tropes of of that sub that little subgenre, and so everyone seemed to really have a good command of like I'm the like horny jock, I'm mm-hmm. the clueless, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, do, do were these were I mean, obviously Clark played a part, and she was wonderful. She's got a voice like a Disney princess, and it's yep. completely ridiculous, <laughs> and I don't understand it. Um, but your other actors, did you know, um, were there any that you brought in who, like, you had to, like, yeah. be like, so have you seen? And they're like, I don't know. Well, you know, it's, well, we had written um, two parts for, so Looney Lucy, the Crazy Ralph character, was specifically written for Fina Sanchez. She's and my then, favorite. She's yeah. so, so good. She's amazing. And then Joyce was specifically the the roller derby girl yeah. was written for Alyssa Wagner. Okay. And she, yes, she's great too. Yeah. So not only is she an actress and a singer, but she does burlesque too. So um so those parts were specifically written for them. And then Clark, because she also had to produce the show, I was like, okay, um I want you in it, but what's the best so because she's focusing so much on producing, what's the best role to put to give you that you'll you won't feel overwhelmed, you know? And she totally crushed that, yeah, that role so hard. Per- perfect. <laughs> she perfect. was so because she amazing. plays the like the girl who's coming to the camp to help set the adult yeah. person in air quotes, you know, because they're never that much older. Yeah. Well, sometimes they are, but um, uh, yeah, she's she she comes in and they're like setting up the camp before the campers yeah. get there, and then of course they're the first setting ones the, to go, and they're setting the to- like finest sets the tone, but they're also like getting the laughs started too, so that those roles are really important. And I also wanted two people that I knew could play off each other really well with her and Kurt. And so, um, but now I was like, oh, I wish, I wish Kurt and Teresa could come back. Like, I wanted to see more yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, well, maybe if the show what, gets expanded. Who knows what might happen? Um, yeah. but the, and so the other roles, um, were all recommended to us by other people. So it was either other cast members recommended them. They were all friends of friends, though. Cool. So we held auditions, but the minute someone performed, like, or someone auditioned, I knew, like, that was the person for the role. Like, I just instantly knew. So um, I, I was very lucky that everyone said yes, that we asked. And there were some people that didn't know all the references. So Sean made a reference guide. And it says, here's everything in the show that is a inside joke or a reference to a movie, a television show, whatever. So he yeah. has a, a guide. That's that he gave fun. Everybody. That's very satisfying. Yeah. So they're going home and doing their homework and like yeah. watching slasher movies. That's really fun. Yeah. And then we, at our cast party, um, the rap party afterwards, uh, Aqua, who plays Andy, um, he, I don't think he had seen Friday the 13th. He had seen parts of it. Like he knew who Jason was and yeah. stuff like that. But we watched it. And at the very end, we, we were playing records and stuff. We took the records off. We're like, okay, guys, you got to watch the ending. It's, like, really important. And everyone's watching it. And literally, like, when Jason comes up oh my to God. grab her in the boat, he screams, Kristen, our page. She starts screaming. Like, nobody saw it. Like, oh I don't think they God. had remembered, like, what happens at the end or had seen the end. 
And both just... It was Living like, vicariously through people was, who haven't seen oh, something like that the is best. the best. I take great pride. My husband and I will, um, at every chance we possibly get, we'll show someone American movie. Not oh, that yeah. that's, like, got yeah, jump yeah. scares in it. But, like, because that's such an alive, electric, like, odd, like, you just can't believe it exists. Yeah. So we love showing people that movie. But to to but to but watch something with someone vicari- vicariously who's never seen Friday the 13th. I just got to watch I Know What You Did Last Summer with someone who'd never <gasps> oh, seen gosh. it. And it was so great. much fun. It was so much fun. Because, the, I mean, and this is also a young person who was, who's, like, I think he just turned 24. And he was just like, oh, 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 no, that's yeah. a terrible idea. Like, he was kind of talking through some of the stuff. And watching him during uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's whole, like, opus of a, of yeah. a death scene was just, like, heroin. Because I've seen the movie so many, so many times. times. Same. To see it with someone else. Oh, that's so cute. And I'm a huge fan of, like, 90s and like early 2000s horror yes. I actually love that. oh me <laughs> a too a lot of people don't it gets a bad do. rap no no yeah. no well I think part of that we, it sounds like you and I are about the same age I think some of it when you when you grow up with it I mean I have such a love some of the, my favorite horror movies are like The Faculty yeah. like some of those oh, late 90s early 2000s and I, I think that I think there's a you know there's this general consensus that you know the 80s were the best uh-huh. and the 90s fucking killed horror movies and there's all the but there are Whatever. gems in there everywhere and in the 2000s there are gems you d- yeah. yes there were some lulls where there were there was you know what trend is gonna find its footing and we can't and yeah. there's a bunch of shit but like there was always a bunch of shit there was a bunch of shit in the 80s like always. you know always you just Ugh. have to like sift through yeah. Um, but it was really cool seeing them react to that. And, you know, we had Sean Cunningham come to the show. Whoa. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, yeah he came. I think it was, uh, God, I can't remember. What, I think it was on the 18th, our show on June 18th. And uh, our the other pr- the person who produced with Clark, Rudy Scalise, who produces all my short films, he knew Sean. And also his first job out here was on New Nightmare. So that is also one of my favorite yeah. movies. He was a PA on that movie. That was his first job. Whoa! Yeah. So I'm like, shut up. Tell me all about Wes because yes. I love Wes Craven. So, um, but Sean came and uh, we we held the show. He was we were supposed to start I think at like seven, and he wasn't there yet. Oh yeah, so you're not starting it without him. Sean Cunningham. <laughs> well, our our lighting our lighting director was like. Uh, we got to start. Like, oh, we're because you're part we, of the Fringe Fest, right? Yes. So someone else is coming in after you. No, we had no show after us, though. <gasps> but we, you know, the audience, they had been sitting there, you know. Yeah. We, we, we held the door for five minutes just to let latecomers in because parking down there sure. is such a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And I was like, he's like, we got to start. And I pulled him aside. I'm like, Nick, like, we're waiting on Sean Cunningham. Like, his wife is here. Like, we're waiting. He's like, oh, yep, we can wait. That's cool. <laughs> That's fine. And sure enough, he walked in the door, like, oh. one minute later. What did he think? So, I'm dying right now. So afterwards, he, I, you know, I was like, thank you so much for coming. And then I went outside and he was out there and I was like, can I hug you? And I like awkward, super awkwardly yeah. hugged him and his wife because I was geeking out so much, but trying to be really cool. And he said, we want to vote for your show. How do we vote? Can we get all our friends to vote? We Aww. loved it. And then all of a sudden he, he's like, let's go backstage. And they just like walked. And P.S. like all the actors are changing. I didn't have time to warn them. He was coming back. Just like walked back. Said hi to the writer, and he's like, great job, Petey. And then steps back, and he's like, you guys were amazing. Like, talk to the cast a little bit. And they're all changing, and they're like, oh, because we told them he was coming. Sure. Didn't give them. Yeah. Hey, so. that's the kind of stuff that happens. What are you going to do? He's a little older. He seems a little, he seems like the sweetest he's man like, alive, but also so a little sweet. kooky. Yeah. No, no, not, not, not at all. I thought, I, I, I didn't find him to be, to be, you know, strange or anything. I feel like the horror 
directors are actually pretty pretty grounded normal people even sure. though they, they do crazy movies well didn't he just direct a movie about a documentary about like hospice nurses I just heard mm. him talking about it on Shockwaves on it's Shockwaves, called like yes. the, yes, the yes, nurse yes. with the purple hair yeah. I'm dying to see it because I know I'll just cry and cry yeah yeah they're all really softies but the fact that he came to the show and and loved it and like made the effort to like go backstage and like talk say hi to the that's cast incredible and stuff and this show like wouldn't exist without him. Yeah, between him and like David Wayne, so yeah. um, it was the best. And that to me, I was like, okay, wow. this is great. Like, that's a real yeah. like Hollywood moment. Yeah, where it's like, oh well, I guess I guess I can just die now. Yeah, um, I was like, our work here is done, y'all. We're done, <laughs> y'all. Oh my god, they do y'all in Ohio, don't they? We do, we do. You and I speak a similar language. Um, so I guess I'm just curious, are you, what are you working on now? What's your, what's your, what's the next thing? I'm dying. Yeah. I'm dying for it. Um, so what's next? So there are going to be some slashed, there is going to be some slash news coming up that I'm not uh, at liberty to discuss publicly quite awesome. yet. Um, I will tell you offline. Sure. Uh, but so that and... Uh, right now I'm doing a lot of traveling because Slashed has taken up so much of my life. But um, so after this second phase thing that might might or might not be happening, um, I'm in November, December, I'm going to be prepping a feature. So I'm going to be directing my first feature. Oh, my God. I was yeah. going to ask you. I wanted to know that because I'm like, oh, my God, you're short films. And yeah. by the way, like I noticed, have you, I don't know if, I don't think you writ, you wrote any of the ones that I watched, maybe. No. So, but I, what I found interesting, and I'm sure that they just came together, like, I'm, I'm sure you weren't sitting with a row of 15 options in front of you. You were like, I will pick this one and I will pick this one. But what struck me about particularly um, Marco Polo and then the one, um, I can't remember the name of it, though. Uh, I'm going to... I could just describe it to you, or I could look at my notes. Um, uh, oh, the Slay Purview. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, really, all of the ones that I watched, it kind of... But it's particularly those two... It felt like you were just dropped in the middle of, like, the third act of some crazy movie, which is, which is awesome. Like, I feel like a lot of short films work really hard to go, like, okay, we're going to give you a beginning and a middle and an end, mm-hmm. and it's going to be this, like, like a feature film, but, like, distilled into a teeny tiny... But, like, yeah. to, I felt like there was a lot of high-octane, like, whoa, you're just jumping into the middle of the story, and you just got to get, get on board, yeah. which I love. As an audience member, I love feeling like I have to... I'm trying to catch up yeah. rather than feeling like I'm three steps ahead. So I love that. But it made me think, like, oh, my God, you would kill... <laughs> um, uh, pun intended, a feature. So that's so exciting. To have a beginning, a middle, and then. Yeah. <sighs> it was, well, I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm one of those directors that actually is not a writer and a director. Um, I just direct because I love the collaboration process with writers. So, and, and the shorts, it's all different. Um, where are you was something that... <laughs> That nice. was so good. Oh, I so love that short. I made a note, by the way, to myself, and I won't describe the short here. I will just say go watch it. But I <laughs> made a note to myself, um, and I guess he'll listen, so it'll spoil it here. But my co-host on this podcast um, that you're on right now, uh, I was like, send this, send this video to Marshall, like October first. Because it's it's the it's a perfect little Halloween short film, and I know because I know him, I know he'll love it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to blow my wad now. I'm going to send it to him in October. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, all I'll say is it's basically what happened when the kids from Charlie Brown grew up. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um, 
Uh, because I, I would describe it as it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown meets Jonestown. So yeah, that's that's my, accurate. But that but that one was something that I my friend Sean Stewart he um, wrote that script and had sent it to me because I was just looking for shorts to direct and he sent it to me and I said I mean this is it and he knows my love of it's a great pumpkin Charlie Brown and and I read it I was like holy shit like I gotta direct this and uh and obviously Clark's in that too there's yeah. some some actors that you see in other other films of mine that are in that one but um Sean actually just wrote a uh Christmas horror movie that's basically Mad Men meets Silent Night Deadly Night so it takes place on Christmas Eve in 1959 <sighs> And uh, there is a uh, a killer on the loose, and the a, a, an assistant because I was once an assistant uh-huh. um, in the office. Basically, she has to fight. Not only is she fighting office politics and being a woman in 1959 in that office setting, she now has to fight a fucking <sighs> axe murderer. So he wrote that for me, and we're actually adapting that to. Um, it's it's going to be a feature, but it's we're doing a radio play for it. Um, that as opposed to doing a short film or whatever to get funding, we're like, let's think outside the box. And because, you know, Earbud Theater is doing... I love Earbud Theater yeah. so much. So we're like, let's let's do a radio play. Think of it like War of the Worlds or something like that yeah. and, and adapt it. Just, you know, do it as a radio play and see if that gets any traction to well, make it Something I learned um, uh, not too long ago. So I started listening to, like, the... War, it's Warner Archive. It, it's a podcast, mm-hmm. so it's like yeah. so. But their early, early, early episodes are all these like thirty minute to an hour radio plays that were used to promote movies that were yeah. going to come out. So it's like I love so much. I'm such a fan of podcasts, obviously, but I love how the medium has like it's like we've come full circle. TV is still in this crazy second yeah. golden age heat wave of like TV, um, but. Radio, as in podcast form, is totally making a comeback. Yeah. And I love that, you know, so many of the podcasts I listened to um, in the beginning for years were not even close to being audio dramas. But yeah. now, you know, I listen to a lot of old-time radio, Suspense, um, oh, you know, yeah. um, The Shadow. The Shadow, uh, of course. All, all yeah. of those old great ones, they're really fun. But now with Earbud Theater and things like Welcome to Night Vale and um, Alice Isn't Dead and yep, these like yep. ongoing radio dramas, I feel like there's this is, I feel like podcasts are really catching on. Radio dramas in podcast form are t- super in their infancy, but I think it's gonna, I yeah. think that's gonna get more popular. I do too. And I love that you're doing that. That's yeah. so cool. And he literally just sent me the adapted script and put in a little like fun narration and stuff. And and I'm we're literally having a meeting at the end of this month to start casting because we have to do that because we want to release it um, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. So since it's seasonal. Um, sure. And then, you know, Marco Polo, that was something I had an idea for and I pitched it to Emily Higgins. And I said, would you write this for me? Because I want to work with you. And she said, sure. And wrote it. And I pitched it to Crypt TV. And that's who's who I, I, I had worked with them on Under the Bed. And that was something where they just sent me the script. They're like, do you want to direct this? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, okay. Yeah. Um, and, but Marco Polo was, in a, you know, quote unquote, an original. And, you know, we did. And it was sort of, it's tough because they, you know, it's about scares and having a, a, a monster and mythology. Yeah. But it's tricky to tell all that in such a short amount of time. It's really tough. It's not, and I'm someone who cares a lot about story, but you look at something like Lights Out, and that 
gag plays so well. Like that that short is one of my favorite favorite shorts. I the and minute I finished watching that short, I was like, wish I'd never watched that. Yeah. It's too scary. That one, and I think Bedfellows is the other one I really yeah. love. And so, but you know, I, I I wanted to tell a little bit more in that, and the actors in that, Lisa Summerscales and Matt Mercer, like I owe them big time, and Folsom too, who is the monster. Uh, we shot that in May, and that pool was supposed to be heated, and was like fifty <gasps> degrees. <laughs> well, you <laughs> it couldn't was tell. Really cold, yeah. but you know the the takes of Lisa shivering aren't in there. But um, they were. We had a hot tub that they would crawl into after oh. every take. But they were, and Folsom was in that suit he had to wear, and it was just. Uh, it was it was tough, and my DP was in the water in a wetsuit the entire time. Oh my! Entire God. time he was in the water. So, but um. And then uh, Slave Review, you mentioned. Oh, Project Hope I did for Crypt. And yeah. that was... Um, that was fun. Um, yeah. uh, Fina, Fina, Fina was in that, in that yeah. one. I was like, I know that face. Like, yeah. I, I was looking at her and, like, I'm, like, mentally smudging her face up with dirt and putting, like, yellow uh-huh. on her teeth. I'm like, that's that's uh, that's yeah. Looney, Looney Lucy or whatever from yeah. Slashed. Um, she, you know, I specifically wanted her for that for that role too and but that was a script that my boyfriend had as a, he had he and his writing partner had written that short and it just had never been made they had it for years and I said let me try to make it sure enough got it made real quick yeah um but that was another one where Crypt was like oh we're totally into that it's a holiday short because I love holiday horror um they're such nice guys they they um promoted this podcast on Crypt TV oh yeah like they, they were just like hey we're gonna do a little thing yeah they're uh you know, I've had a really good experience working with them. And Slate Preview, the other the other one you mentioned is oh, the most recent intense. one. Yeah. And we have over a million views of that, which is really cool. Those act by the way, those actors are so great because I feel like well, your boyfriend yes. is the yeah, but the yeah. and also and everyone's great. The two guys, like that yeah. could have gone real wrong. Mm-hmm. I just mean like it could have totally been too cheesy. The material's or, tricky. Yes. It's a tricky script. Yes. I was watching it thinking, oh, they are riding a fine line yeah. here because it could have easily been silly, but yeah. they really see they really got that you guys got that tone right. Yeah, and I had worked with Mark, uh, Mark Jude Sullivan on a short before, and then Dan, I'd seen his work in my friend Graham's stuff. Um Obviously, my boyfriend, who's an actor, he played the kind of heavy lead role. Yeah. And then Amanda Hall, who was the, the yeah, lyric she was great. in it. She's great. And she, I met, I worked on, um, I was the director's assistant on Insidious 4. And she worked on Insidious 4 as a stand-in, and she did stunt double stuff. And um, and it also acts. And I said, let's, let's put you, like, front and center. And I'll tell you what, like, those actors, and I'm not someone, I don't do rehearsals. And I don't, I'm not in, that's the other thing with theater rehearsals getting used to that yeah oh yeah you have to fucking do rehearsals for theater film I'm not unless we have a stunt or something I don't want I want it to be organic I want to see what happens in the room I don't want anything to be sort of predictable or you know I wanted I didn't want the brothers to meet Sean beforehand I didn't want you know Sean was supposed to meet her it was supposed to be like a first date I didn't want them to meet beforehand so I was sort of very particular about that stuff and I just talked to everyone individually about their roles and you know, the chemistry between Mark and Dan is so good. Yeah. Um, but that was another script where I got the script. And, you know, I think there was actually, there was actually more violence written to the script than we shot. Um, because it's tricky because it's like you are working with all antagonists here. Like you're not, who are you rooting for? <laughs> yeah. You know? And so it was tricky to make because you wanted to make Sean's character, Kester, like the the worst of all these yeah. of all these people you want him to be the bad guy he's yeah. the one you want to see yeah 
I was definitely rooting for those two guys. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, that was probably my most one of my most challenging shorts. Um, and also we shot it in a day. You know, we were dealing with taxidermy and – you know, trying to get your shots done and not going to overtime, and it was uh, that was we had a great shoot though. I'm very yeah. lucky with, and that's with how that you stuff. learn. Yeah, but you and you mentioned that you were the director's assistant. You've you've been on the set. I mean, if you just look at your IMDb, <laughs> you've been on the set of like some major, like a lot of major films, major horror films that like yeah. everyone knows. And yeah. it's not, I mean, I don't know how much you were able to, like, physically watch, you know, the process, but it sounds like um, there's no better way to learn than that. Yeah, and I had, and, you know, I, I didn't start out, I started out in comedy when I first, after college, when I moved out here. I started oh, yeah, out, you worked on Bridesmaids? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm dead. Yeah. So I saw I, that, I was like, holy shit, so yeah. much fun. It's kind of crazy to think about, but, and comedy and horror, you know, if you can oh, time yeah. a, a laugh, you They're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. For sure. But when I first moved here, I worked for Ali Bell at Ivan Reitman's company. Um, and that was really cool because I was like, oh, fuck, it's like old school. It's like old school comedy. I'm more, you know, Animal House and fucking Ghostbusters and Stripes and Meatballs. And I was just losing my mind about that because that's the stuff I grew up with. Yeah. And then I got an opportunity to go work for Judd Apatow. And I was like, oh, shit, I, I got to take this. And this was right around the time, like the movies I worked on when I worked for him were Get Him to the Greek, Funny People, and Bridesmaids. Wow. And so being, and like they were gearing up to do Wanderlust. So, you know, that was a great time to be there, but it was sort of, it was tough because I didn't want to do comedy. Comedy wasn't my thing. And so I, you know, I, I thought, man, I just, I got to try to get into the horror world. And everyone at that company is like, we don't know anyone in that world. Good luck. Like, because they oh, didn't. Because comedy's like totally, it's a totally different clique. So I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. And then I had a friend reach out to me and say, hey, this guy named Jason Blum needs an assistant. Oh, his Jesus. assistant is getting promoted to be his creative executive. Like, are you interested? And I was like, Jason Blum? Like, where do I know that name from? And I looked up and his IMDb at the time was, I think, like, the reader uh, and uh, Kicking and Screaming, The Reader, and this movie called Paranormal Activity. This little movie. And I was like, oh, I know that movie. I was like, oh, I, I'll go, I'll go, you know, I said, I'll take the interview. Like, let me go meet with them. And so I sit down and I was like, I fucking live and breathe this genre. I love horror movies with my body and soul. I want to work here. And, uh, you know, then I met with Jason and he said, come to this, come to this screening. I said, okay. Invites me to a screening on the Sony lot. So I go in, and Rob Zombie is sitting behind me, and I'm just like, fuck, this is amazing. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, this crazy music starts, and it's Insidious. Oh, so my God. So I was invited God. to an insi- a screening of Insidious. And it scared the shit out of me. Because I saw, you know, I was in a theater with maybe six or seven people. Right. It was a teeny tiny private And you screening. show up, and you're sitting down to watch. Like, you don't yeah. know anything know about nothing. this movie. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, when I worked for Judd... This sounds super Hollywood and isn't meant to, but um, my masseuse at the time said, oh, I know someone in the horror world. Like, you're looking to get into that. Um, one of my clients is James Wan. Like, you guys should talk. Oh, and I was like, shit. oh, okay, cool. And so we, she hooks us up on Facebook, and we, will fi- we would Facebook chat. And I'm a He's night so owl, and sweet. he stays up late editing. So at, like, 2 in the morning, we'd be Facebook chatting, like, oh, you work for Judd. Oh, you, you know. He's like, I'm cutting a movie right now. I said, oh, that's so cool. And then I go and see this movie, and then I put it all together. I was like, Oh my God! They're making the movie he was talking about, working oh my and editing God. about. So, 
Um, so after that, it was like right before Christmas, I was leaving town the next day to go home. And Jason's like, you want to do this? I said, sign me up. He said, okay, here's 14 scripts to read in a week. We will see you after the new year. And I read everything. And then I started at the top of 2011 and Insidious came out April, 2011. And then of course, everything for Blumhouse changed. And I watched that company grow from like an office that we basically, Jason and I basically shared a space, um, watch it grow into basically the studio it is today. Yeah. And I left right when Whiplash was about to go to the Oscars. Like I left at the end of 2015. And so I had been there, you know, four, four years and change. And, and I learned so much. I'm like so ridiculously thankful for that experience because not only I would have never worked for someone for four years if it was miserable. Yeah. Like it really felt like a family. And I learned so much about the creative side and the business side, which is something you never really get to learn. But I also got to meet all these directors, go to all these sets, make relationships with people in the horror industry. And then when I was ready to branch off on my own, um, Jason was like, my door is always open if you ever need anything. I also gave him eight months warning that I was leaving. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I need to prepare you. But he's like, if you ever need anything, I'm always here. And so he hooked me up with Crypt TV. Um, and has, you know, I've continued to ask him for advice and he's been my mentor as well. And so he's, it's been so helpful to have that person in your corner and have that person believe in you and, and always super supportive of my short films, as is his wife, who is a writer on Orange is the New Black, and she's incredible. And, but to see it grow into this, what it is today, this, this, you know, horror, uh, studio empire magic um uh i'm really i'm really thankful for so but and now it's just the minute you know i left i just started making stuff i just like i need to create content i hadn't shot anything since college so you know my dp i went to college with and i said let's make some movies like let's do it he's gonna shoot my feature too which i'm really excited about but um well, I'm yeah. so excited to see We're your doing future. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to keep major tabs on you. Thank you. And it's sci-fi horror. It's not Ooh, like... Ooh. Yeah. I, I love that. It's basically like Ex Machina meets We Need to Talk About Kevin and Black Mirror. Whoa. Yeah. Dark yeah. as fuck. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah, um, it's really dark. Wow. <laughs> so so everyone can find you just by Googling Chelsea Stardust. You're on Twitter. I'm I mean, Twitter, I, I found you Instagram. in all the places. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So go follow her. You're not going to want to not be following her when she <laughs> explodes a little bit more than she already has. Um, go follow Slash the Musical on yes. all platforms because, and you can also get the music um, if you yeah. haven't already. It's free. Free on Bandcamp. It's really good. It's really fun. Um, and it, if you haven't seen it, the music is still really funny to listen to. I listened to all the songs before <laughs> yeah. I saw the show because Clark sent the, me the, the links to the songs. And I was like, well, this is way too much fun. Um, so do all of that and watch Chelsea's short films. Um, and thank you so much for being on Boys and Ghouls Behind the Screams. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to our eighth episode of Behind the Screams. Check out our show notes for links to Chelsea's films and for more info on Slashed, including its triumphant return this October. We'll see you soon for the next installment in our Behind the Scream series. Until then, and as always, beware the moon.
lost it always and this way.